You're listening to the Webcomic Beacon at webcomicbeacon.com. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Webcomic Beacon here at webcomicbeacon.com, part of the Webcast Beacon Network at webcastbeacon.com. Why did I call it that? I got a better name for it now. Too late to rebrand yourself. This is Fess. And with me, we have Ben Carver returning once again. Uh, welcome to the show, Ben. Thanks for having me. So um, anything, it, it's been a while since we've done one of these newscasts. Uh, uh, tell us your current websites that you, uh, that, want you, that you want to be redirected to. All right. Well, there's animationaficionados.com, and we are also currently doing a test run of episodes for uh, Comic Connoisseurs. Episode one and two are out. Oh yes, I remember. I remember you talking about that before. So you did finally get that rolling. Who did you get as uh, uh, co-host? Uh, JT from Saskatoon. Okay. Uh, he's he's a great comic book guy, and I love I love having JT because he's one of these guys that has comic book knowledge but not quite as extensive me and i can hit him with a whammy that totally makes his brain shut down like uh <laughs> like for instance hey did you know that uh that spider-man crossed over with red sonia really how'd that happen well it turns out when mary jane watson touches red sonia's sword she becomes red sonia really that's weird okay <laughs> um telling and- the truth that is an actual comic book well, so you guys got some good chemistry going on there. Good, in, uh, absolutely awesome. That's that's uh, a really great part of of uh, podcast presentation, and uh, and we do have a, an additional. Uh, ge- we have a guest on the show, and uh, I put a call out onto Twitter. He happened to be available. This is Chris, and Chris, where do you hail from? Hey there, um, I go by Mr. Chris generally. Um, I hail from uh, I, you know. United States, the Western Coast. I meant your website. Enough. Plug yourself. Oh, <laughs> this isn't a whole interview. What? Um, okay, uh, I'm. I make a web comic called Playing with Props. Uh, PlayingwithProps.com. Right now, we're in the in a parody of uh, Madoka Magica it's called Savi Spellica, which is one of the main characters. Um, that's about it. Other, it's a web comic with animations on the side too. So there's that. But what is it all about? Oh, it's about. Um, it's about uh, gaming parodies or just anything in pop culture parodies. We just kind of take, as the name implies, playing with props, any kind of item or object that is in one of these universes, they'll take and experiment with it, see what can go wrong and what can go good with it, um, and things like that. So it's not so much straight up making parody with, with uh, in-game characters, but more so the the things from the, the, the games themselves. Exactly. Um, like visiting their worlds or just... Like if Mario has a mushroom, they'll use the mushroom, see what can go wrong with it or uh, any other other kind of item. Okay. And uh, are the characters? No, I want to say they look like some particular video game character from the 90s. I'm not (laughs) sure if you're actually uh, heavily borrowing from something existing or you just really make it look like that. Um, That was actually the style. That was the. That was what I was going for, something more retro, like, 90s look. Because uh, I have two characters, Boomy and Savi. Boomy looks like that 90s cool kid. Um, and that was intentional because he has the sunglasses and the popped-up collar. Um, <laughs> wouldn't go, wouldn't fly now, but... <laughs> um, and Savi is just... Uh, I try to stylize her in the same way. She's... Uh, you know, she has a popped-up collar, too, and, it's like, neon colors going on. Uh, as far as their personality goes, Boomy would be a little bit more silly, while Savi would be more um, focused and dead center on her games. 
Okay, uh, so they never did any sort of like Burger King kids meals commercials in the day. They could have. <laughs> <laughs> no, remember no. Remember those pieces of crap. <laughs> no, me. You're no, not old no. enough. Okay, never no. mind. <laughs> ben, help me out here. Nope, you're on your own this one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and that's at plainwithprops.com. And that is so, uh, welcome, welcome to this newscast, and uh, we're going to be taking a look at uh, a few items that uh, I was picking out over the past couple of weeks. And if anybody listening uh, who has their own uh, creative uh, output source online and, and would like to to maybe be in the guest in the future for this type of uh, podcast, keep an eye on a Twitter account at webcomic beacon as i will that's usually where i make uh, heads up for things as well as now before we get to our news um i was uh, also I, i've been doing a trial run of reviewing webcomics lately on on the website at webcastbeacon.com and it's been going over pretty well so and uh, i and and uh, so that trial run will be over uh in in a week i think this week actually and then um i'll be doing some comic of the week picks and then I'll start up doing reviews again in uh, January, I think that's going to be. And so keep an eye on webcastbeacon.com as well as the Twitter account at webcomicbeacon for when the submissions open up. Uh, because uh, because people keep emailing for, for reviews, and I figure I'm going to do this as well. Also, if you have any press releases and, and things like that, uh, there's a link in the. I'll put a link in the site about how we can actually accept those and what I'm actually going to be doing with them now to get some more content out there. Uh, we are gearing up towards the uh, semifinal, f- semi, the semifinal episode of the Webcomic Beacon, and uh, that's going to be coming in December when we hit our sixth year. And uh, after that, uh, I got some ideas and plans for after that. But essentially, this will be the more or less finalish episode of the webcomic begin as it's been going and as it will be decidedly sort of redoing itself and just seeing where it goes, experimenting. And I'm welcoming any kind of uh, ideas or inputs from people out there, or it can just end up going the way. Sometimes things do just have to end. But before we get to that, we will be doing a couple of episodes about our top 100 favorite webcomics of all time. And so uh, that is going to be fun. Ben, did you ever get those recorded yet for me? I thought we were going to re- do a recording session. Oh, I thought you were going to record that, yourself. That, no, that, that was the impression you gave us. I'm sorry. Well, we'll uh, we'll work on that after the show, or if you feel you can do it on your own time uh, by the end of next week, that'd be great, actually. Um, but uh, I got most of the people uh, have gotten theirs in. Three more others are, are on their way to do stuff. But uh, it'll, I'll probably have episode one out next uh, the week after this one. And so let's jump into uh, some of the articles that we've been seeing around online. Uh, first up on the docket is uh, something called ComfyCon. Now, I kind of remember this from last year, but it was something... Uh, Oh, whoa. It's, it was something that Randy Milholland and Daniel Corsetto had put together apparently last year. And uh, it's basically they were unable to go to a convention and they decided to host their own sort of uh, convention online and they called it ComfyCon. And uh, so this is the actual first year that I actually, you know, actually saying actually too many times that i had uh seen a bunch of the panels and it's it's a lot of like what you would expect uh uh, a bunch of different uh creative 
persons are, are getting together on Google Hangouts to do a live streaming, but it's also recorded so that if you did miss it, you could check it out. And there's like a, a great list here of things. Uh, a lot of them were like art jams, but uh, some of my favorites were, um, let's see here, uh, about Kickstarters. And uh, there was one about doing uh, how to do um, an anthology collection and a, f a few others on here. Let's see here. There's one that's about man uh, Manga Studio EX5 Crash Course I was on here. Um, and, of course, they would have uh, the chat going at the same time so people uh, or people could submit questions as well as they, they would answer that uh, during, the, uh, during their recording. So that was really cool to be able to uh, have a, at least some interaction, especially for the, the – it's the poor man's convention, really. If you can't really get out to do it at an actual convention, this is a, this is a great substitute because it's free. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> apparently neither of you uh, looked at either one of the – at any of these videos. Uh, no, not really. I saw the lists. They look pretty cool. <laughs> well, I was hoping to get some opinions on this, uh, but, uh, you know, it's um, I really can only recommend check out the list and, and pull up a few of the videos. And, and uh, because some of them are really interesting, especially, uh, I mean, they they've got, uh, you know, Josh Lesnick, Randy Mulholland, Daniel Cosetto, uh, Spike was on here as well. And uh, yeah, among others on here, Zach Wienersmith. I think like just right off the bat, it's something that looks really cool. Um, you know, I, I really like it because there's a significantly lower amount of Homestuck cosplay than you would find at a regular con. <laughs> so that's that's right up my alley right there. <laughs> uh, who knows if people were cosplaying at home, but you can't see it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Why are well, you, you all dressed up today? On. I'm at a con. <laughs> I, I actually I actually prefer an actual, you know, physical con more because it's uh no, because I absolutely agree, Ben. It feels more real to to have that experience. To everything from the flight to the hotel room to wandering around an, an unknown city and getting just that feel of of adventure. And you know, I already talked to professionals in various fields from the comfort of my own bedroom already just doing what i already do <laughs> why, why call it a con and make it more complicated i mean this, this i mean i sound like i'm criticizing i guess i kind of am but it just doesn't seem like it gives any sort of ump factor it feels like because there's a sense of needing to do things at certain times at a real con like Oh, I got to do this, this, and that. But if I take too long, I'm not going to be able to meet Blank at his table because he's only going to be here for X amount of hours. And also, hey, I'm in Boston. I want to try. I want to try some clam chowder while I'm here and stuff like that. You know. And while you, you know you're at home and you're like, okay, I log in and do stuff. I guess people do that already. <laughs> well, true, but it's it's still 
it, it's still, you know, it's probably a lot better as, as uh, if you were watching it live as it was happening versus just, you know, watching the I've video. I've watched live I mean, streams before in the past. Well, no, yeah, but it's like it's. I mean, it's it's a, it's a lot cooler to be there, you know, as it's recording than just you know seeing a recorded video of people doing a tutorial. And I've and I've put up a a couple of record a bunch of recordings of, of uh, panel uh, convention panels and things like that. And I definitely wouldn't. Uh, substitute an online con over actually going to a con completely different feel and i think yeah. it's you know much better <laughs> than that but it's still a really cool idea and and it's free so i mean if you can't get to a con definitely you know check something like this out i mean it, it seems to be more geared towards uh, other you know peers versus say readers for the most part this particular one and it pretty much is. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's kind of cool about it because there's, there's more things that are useful for an actual creator than like a reader's point of view. Mm-hmm. Uh, with all the drawing and the crash courses and things like that and the Q and As. Um, I mean, yeah, like like you guys were saying, going to a con is like top notch. It's awesome. But um, sometimes I just want to stay home in my pajamas and drink my Kool Aid or something. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I don't. I don't want to like to wear pants. Who likes to wear pants? You know, this is perfect. And uh, and so we'll put a link to that in the notes. Otherwise, it, it is under at somethingpositive.net slash comfycon. And the uh, the next article I had, uh, I saw this. Uh, Ryan Estrada posted it on his Tumblr. Um, and he was referencing an article on Fleen, which was referencing an article on pcmag.com. And apparently pcmag.com is a bit confused about what fair use is. Um, what they did was they created their own favorite webcomic list and posted several strips in part or in full without asking for permission. Uh, Ryan Estrada says that, yes, this is fair use, though I would argue you'd still have, you should ask for permission if you're posting a full comic. But, uh, but that's, I find eh, that very strange coming from you. Uh, ben, we're going to get to this. Um, <laughs> but PC, but the thing is, is that fine, it's all fair use in this situation and whatnot, but PCMag.com had sent emails to those creators saying if they wanted to quote the article, they would have to pay a fee. So it's a little bit of a double standard hypocrisy here. So while I can quote an article, which is fair use to quote an article because you're taking a portion of it not the whole damn thing it's different when you take the whole damn thing because that's plagiarism and uh, also reposting or republishing without permission at that point uh, especially when you take something out of a whole Um, that's why I also suggested maybe if you pull the whole strip Unless there's explicit permission to do so, you know. So when you say whole strip, do you mean every single comic of that strip or one whole page? An entire unedited page. Now that's where you now can get into a serial. A... That's totally okay. Eh, maybe, but you know, it can uh, st- no, maybe. I don't know. We could we could argue that fine point, and I'm not going to in this particular episode. But uh, why not? Because I don't really want to get into it with you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think because, it's a full because, it's a full paw. I would say it's a full paw not to ask permission to to do something like that, uh, especially when a lot of people will post things on their own things and they don't want you to repost it elsewhere. And that's in within their right not to have it posted elsewhere, especially if it's not actually properly att- attributed. But but uh, this is a case of two different 
people doing two different things. What do you mean? Well, let me explain to you. Uh, the th most publications have a legal department. The legal department and the article writers are com two completely separate beings. Mm -hmm. And PC Magazine had people write an article about this. And the person writing the article and the person that sent the email to the creators are complete, two completely different people, first of all. Second of all, this whole, you know, if you want to, uh, if you want to cite this article is a kind of blah, blah, blah. This is a, this is a standard, this is a standard news publication tactic that's not unique to articles about web comics or anything. Anytime a news article wants, you know, set, you know, wants to be cited they do this this is a standard tactic this all we're seeing here is the same old same old of old media meeting new media head-on yeah but it's and not it it is within fair use to quote something like i said this is a standard publication but tactic they're wrong. That has been, hold, i'm not done yet fest let me finish my sentence and then maybe you will understand and learn something <laughs> This is something that's been going on for years upon years, ever since the, 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 the phrase cite your source came out. This is something that publications have always done. They have always sent letters like this saying, if you want to quote our article or our public publication, here is our fee. This is something that's always been done. Like I said, all we're seeing here is old media meets new media, which has happened many times in the past. And, and I agree it is a it is a faux pas that they did this. I agree that it was wrong that they did this. But at the same time, I am I understand that that this is something that the lawyers do because the lawyers love this shit. But if these web cartoonists posted a quote from the article and a link link back to the article, nothing would happen. We we all know this. Nothing will happen. Mm -hmm. And like I said, this is a standard legal letter. And nothing to get our panties in a bind about because this is, like I said, this is something that lawyers do. This is just something that lawyers do. And on the inverse, if a largely serialized comic strip that has been going on for months or years that has over a hundred strips and a and an article and and an editorial publication posted one single strip, I wouldn't be crying to the hills about fair use. Because this isn't the whole comic. This is a feel for the comic. This is a, we love this comic, and this is why we love this comic. Not, and I've seen people... Not necessarily abuse true, though. And, break, I've, I, and I've seen people abuse and break fair use all the time. Mm -hmm. and, and hide behind it when, when they get in trouble without even understanding what it, what it even means anymore. Because they have their own agenda. Yeah, but there's the the other big thing about you know the whole fair is it fair use thing. Some people do have. I mean, it's like an entire page could be in a completely standalone thing or statement, and it also could be that that particular one um, is is something that is it's all it's not a part of something. It's all in and of itself. And then, you know, these are ones I'm talking to get popularly hacked up, stripped of their URL names changed. And they'll change the dialogue to make it mean different things and things like that. And I'm planning to have somebody else on the show at some point uh, to talk about that particular action in, uh, in particular. Uh, but 
you know, it, it's like, yeah, if it's sort of a serial, I can see and understand that uh, a lot more. Sometimes if, it, if it's a completely standalone piece of something, that'd be a, lot, a little bit more questionable. Granted, uh, again, granted again, this, 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 I'll let you finish. I'm, but, I'm uh, not, I'm not being, you know, that's why I'm, I'm trying to use words and phrases that are not definitive because it is certainly a, a gray line. And it's kind of like one of those, you'd be like, Eh, or not, you know, but you know, as as far as I think, for the most part, especially uh, web cartoon web creators, as long as it's uh, not an altered uh, piece, uh, not stripped of its URL or copyright on there, and well linked back and noted for the original person, I think most of us really don't care. It's when you don't do that is when we start getting huffy and, and puffy about and it. I, I think the, you you hit the nail on the head right there, Fez. <laughs> but did but did the did the PC Mag article not backlink? It wasn't. I didn't add this story in particular for for them doing this. It was it was it was the brazen double standard of not asking permission, but then like. Not you know tr- trying to charge somebody for their action of fair use if they wanted to, but like you said, it's too in one hand not knowing what the other one's doing essentially. But it's, it was just the hypocrisy of the whole situation, which is what I was bringing up. And and again, I, another thing I have to bring up is you say you know showing the whole strip is violation of it, but I've I've heard you in the past defend people who have shown the whole context of a comic before, like what and. Oh right, Dude, right. Really? No, yeah, really? yeah. The, but the yeah, the, yeah. If you want to talk about like, uh, say, that guy with the glasses websites, they don't actually show the entire thing. They do. On, they not, show they don't show the, the entire. They, they thing show on the edit. stuff that has the most to do about context, where you know the whole story <laughs> of the movie or whatever in question. Why do I have to watch this movie? They just showed me all the parts of the movie that that was worth showing. Why do I have to see it now? <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. They. They think that doing an overview of content as it's playing is the same as a review, and it's not. And let me tell you it's something else. It's also not one hundred percent of the on content I'm not either. With my thoughts yet, <laughs> let me tell you something else about this too. Um, I'm going to bring this up again because because this has something very near and dear to my heart. Mm-hmm. Um, I was taught by a guy who used to ink Spider-Man in the seventies, and back then, comic book artists and inkers made very little. They made money per page like 25 dollars per page and we're talking about not a lot of money Mm -hmm. but let me tell you one thing they did get residual checks all the time until the until the day my mentor died he got residual checks for his work so when i see someone taking a comic book that that's 20 years old or 30 years old that's and not being, being i can sold show this anymore. in form online because no one cares anymore i get pissed off because because like i said my mentor until the day he died he got residual checks still okay so so the the thing is they don't uh, sell these is, comics anymore they're not getting money from it people say it's okay to steal from studios and big companies because they have lots of money but when you're going picking on the web creators oh no shake fist the thing is, when you steal from the big guys, you steal from the little guys too. Okay, they're not selling those comics anymore. For the they most still part. get residual checks from the collections. Don't you get this? What collections? A lot of these that I see reviewing aren't available anywhere. <laughs> yes, they are still collected in <laughs> trades. 
Don't you understand that? They're collecting old 80s and 70s and 90s comics and trade still. Yes. And they're still being sold. But but what about like lost ones? They're like out of print completely. Um, if Let's say I bought it back in the day and uh, somebody else wanted to see it. So I'd sold it to them. Uh, there's no residual check in that, is there? No, no there isn't. Not. But we're talking about private sale to private sale. We're not talking about you popping on a webcam, showing the whole book, and then getting ad revenue from it. That's different. You know, you're using somebody else's work to get your own ad revenue, which is completely different. Like, you, if you're going to be reviewing something like that, you should. Well, it's not know. even reviewing more. You're reading it, and and like I said, that's part of that's part of what gets my ire because, like I said, I knew someone who was like a second father to me who was in this industry and got crap pay back in the day. But like I said. And I swear he, he still got checks until the day he died for Marvel and DC. But if you were to read it like that, wouldn't it be a transformative work? <laughs> tell, that, tell that the person whose art you just showed. And let me tell you about transformative works. Do you know about what's up? Do you know about what's up Tiger Lily and Kung Pao Enter the Fist? Uh, I, I do not. So you'll have to remind me of them. Okay. Both of them are movies that were remade in, in America What's Up Tiger Lily is a great example because Woody Allen bought this Japanese spy movie and overdubbed it. But what was the first part of that sense again? Oh, yeah. He bought the rights to it. <laughs> <laughs> so kind of like what Samurai Pizza Cats did. Yes. That's the difference because people always cite, well, when they, when they talk about those other guys, they say, oh, well, well, what's up, Tiger Lily? It's like, well, you forgot the part about Woody Allen buying the rights. You know, that, that's the, you know, the important part. They, and same with, same with Mystery Science Theater. They bought the rights. They bought licenses that's to true. do what they did. And a good example is the, uh, the Mystery Science Theater 3K crew did a Kickstarter to get enough money to get the rights to Twilight. That's right. <laughs> Who would so, buy like that? I, like, I, like I said, when you talk about transformative works, you got to remember the people that really do transformative works professionally buy the rights. <laughs> so let me let me just play devil's advocate here because I know some people would bring it up. Now, for, for some things, I'm not saying I'm not. And when I speak, it's not a broad stroke, but it's it's as far as uh, what about some of the ones uh, from anybody out there? Because um, anybody on YouTube could be making this, and the biggest reason why I know you have a beef with like the that guy with the glasses crowd is because of the the ad revenue that they make off of the videos. And uh, so, if they weren't making ad money off of the videos, well, let me just ask you that first: if they weren't making money off the off of the videos, would you have as much of an issue with it? Not as much, no, but let me preface that with, an, with another thing, is how many of them would be doing it if it wasn't for the money? Because lots of this would have been like, would have not been a hobby anymore. And uh, several of them said, this is not a hobby. This is, a, this is a job for them. They mm -hmm. have said that. They said that the only reason they continue doing it is for money. Right, right. And they wouldn't, they probably would still do it, just not nearly as often is, is the answer that they would give uh, for sure. And uh, but I could you could also argue or one could also argue is that with having these sort of review reviewtainment or parody sort of things like that, because it's not 
it's not just 100% of the material given to you. Um, I mean, a lot of times it is supplemented with other stuff as well. But also, what, I mean, if it was truly absolutely illegal, they would have been gone by now. Or there they're to- so tiny, no one fucks, fucking cares. Um, I'm not allowed to talk about numbers. Um, even I only know a few numbers. And they probably are not small enough uh, that it wouldn't be a concern. But as far as what I'm, the point I'm getting to is that isn't part well, let, of. Let, is, me, let me finish, Ben. Okay, I'll let you finish. But is I'll, I'll, the the fact this. the fact that they're they're doing this sort of stuff also can be looked at as sort of uh, advertising as well. I know that I know that you know once I found a couple of shows. Uh, in particular, uh, uh, the Atop the Fourth Wall series, I actually got a lot more interested in comic books, and I have, like, behind me, six short boxes of comics that I've purchased. And now, granted, a lot of those were used, but there's also a lot of new ones in there as well. You know, I was an uh, untapped audio, uh, a market at that point, and somebody got me really interested into actually getting involved with some of this. And there are some movies out there that have been reviewed, which, you know, obviously so many I really don't want to watch again. Um, but, you know, things like uh, Nostalgia Critics' review of The Room, for one, actually got people to want to see it and actually buy it. And I would argue that it probably wouldn't... It, it probably still eventually gets some sort of popularity at some point, but not nearly dude, as much. Dude, dude, The Room was showing and Midnight Showings way before Doug even touched it. What are you talking I've about? I've never heard of it until Doug did it. But I'm that, not the only that one just either. Shows you live in a very narrow bubble. Fest. It doesn't necessarily mean that. It, there's a lot of people that live in different niches and, and and things like that. Like you were like criticizing me about uh, me not knowing that MP3 Skype recorder isn't going to work after this after December because Microsoft you, 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 because Microsoft is, yeah, but I don't this. use it. I have no reason to care enough to to know about that because I've never used it before until dude, today dude, we're talking about something you take pride in and you call a profession and you don't know that one of the widely most widely used tools in your profession is about to go defunct it's not really? a widely used tool in my profession yes it is I there just, were articles about this on the verge for crying it's out it's not wow. widely used tool i use gold wave if i knew something about gold wave that was happening otherwise i have no reason no, to know uses about gold wave in the in the podcasting world anymore everyone uses mp3 skype record like i said or audacity modo Engadget, The Verge, all had articles about MP3 Skype recorder going away in December. I just named three major tech publications. Yeah, and we haven't this. really you done a newscast for the, the sand, dude. And we haven't done a newscast for the past several months. And 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 I'm sure that if we were and we were collecting articles, it would have came up. But I basically we've been on a hiatus for the longest time. It's not something I need to keep up on. I got other things to keep up on more than tech stuff. And what I've got going now works fine. If something changed, I would definitely have to go and look for something else. And that's what I do. I don't need to keep up on every single absolute thing all the time because everything that I have right now works just fine. If I couldn't use Goldwave, I'd be using Audacity. If I couldn't use Audacity, I'd be trying to figure the hell out of uh, Adobe Edition because I have that too. Well, let me let me tell you, let me give you some answers on some of the things you said. Uh, <laughs> First of all, back to the, back to the point of if they aren't caught yet, it's still okay. 
that's that's the old speeding fallacy of I've always go 65 on this road, even though it says 40 and I was never caught yet. So the, the speed limit must actually be 65, not 40. So you can't use that as an argument until until an actual publication says outright, this is OK for someone to do this. Then it's not OK. You, you can't do you can't make you can't make the fact that you aren't caught or you aren't punished for it a fact of legality, because like I said, I've always gone 65 on that road. No, I agree with you. That is absolutely true, though. Your analogy is a little bit poor. I mean, this is I mean, they these companies know of these things. These guys are incredibly popular. They're, Not really. Their numbers, they their numbers in, are dropping like a stone. They dude. pull in a fair amount of money as well. They are underneath the 2000th most visited site on the whole web. And you think that they're relevant? They are relevant. No, they aren't. That's that's the funny thing. I Justine gets more views than all of them combined. D- reading a, her grocery list. I don't know but, where you. But but your analogy there is wrong because it's a different, completely different audience. I Justine yeah. is like for all these people here. Well, PC Mag is going to be for all the enthusiasts, people who actually care about the subject. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the deck out the glasses crowd. S- same same kind of thing. But let me let me tell you, Ben. Um. If people say that it's their job and they do it full time and their livelihood comes from that revenue, I kind of think they make a fair amount of change on that website to be of something of notice. You think that you think things, but you think things out of evidence. That's the thing. You, you're making conclusions. No, I, I have evidence. I just can't say it. I can't I can't specify things. Oh, you have secret knowledge. Okay. Well, the thing is, best <laughs> the, the point remains that that what you're talking about is is a site that, and I have checked the numbers underneath the two thousandth most visited site on the web. Where are they you dropped, checking they these dropped, numbers? Hold on, I'm not done. They've dropped from five hundredth to two thousandth in a year. They're doing something wrong. This is a fact. This is a known fact. Where are you getting these numbers, Alexa? How would you know? What are you looking at for Alexa? Are you looking at their blip URL websites? Or are you looking at their homepages? Homepages. Okay, you're looking at fucking homepages, Ben. (laughs) People subscribe to their fucking video feeds. They're not going to show up on a freaking hit on a page when people go visit the blip page. You're not adding the blip page. You're not with... I mean, maybe if you're adding the, the blip page with their .com site, which embeds the blip video, or if you somehow got the numbers of how many times the video was viewed in whole, then well, maybe me, I'd listen continue, to you not on their best. .com site. It's like looking at me, the, like looking at our website to see what our audience is when I can when you don't have access to see my feed numbers to look at how many people are actually downloading via a feed. Which is not a guarantee, of course, that everybody is actually listening to it. But you know, it's like like forty percent. It's, it's funny that you're trying to give me a lecture on analytics when when you're talking to a guy who is okay. An you ex- you guru. explain it to me. How would you you know by looking at Alexia? If it's called our- it's called engagement. Do you know what engagement is, Fess? It depends on the context. Engagement means when someone wants to do something more than just view a link. It's when someone wants to take an action beyond the initial view. Mm-hmm. That's engagement. Mm-hmm. Like a good example of engagement is on AA. If someone wants to do more than just listen to our podcast, they comment. 
And I look at the comment numbers and I look at the, and I look at the visit numbers. And uh, of course I can draw a correlation between the two because when there's a, when there's a spike in comments, there's a spike in visits. Of course, the spike in visits is higher than the spike in comments, but there is a correlation spike. Certainly. And, and the thing, and like I said, when you look at that, you can, you can make judgments on engagement and engagement shows exactly where the fandom is and where they're going. Absolutely. And this, this is something that all brands do. And like I said, I just came back from a conference where we talked about this. This is all about engagement. And I agree with you, Ben, but you I, were talking about is, stats. What I see here is the engagement number, even if this is just a pure engagement number, not a pure view number, went from up here to down to the floor mm-hmm. in a year. And that is not a good sign, no matter what your business is online. I, I, I can see that, Ben, but there, there's a few things to note here. And uh, whenever anybody comes new to something, like on online, especially when it's a podcast, it's going to start with them going to the website. And then there's going to be that point where, well, maybe I can just listen to the feed. So that particular person's thing is going to go down. Yes, yes, I absolutely agree with everything about the engagement point. But uh, what I'm saying is that you don't actually... You're you you in particular by looking at Alexia Alexia alone or even website stats are not going to be able to see the full picture of the actual uh, content. what is it when content consumption of the website without knowing feed stats or vi- or like in, in that guy with the glasses uh, video plays. And things like that. Those are not going to show up on Alexa stats or the dot or their dot coms websites. And unless you sort of compared their blip channels or their whatever other channels to that as well, you have limited information and you can't say that. Certainly you can you can argue that their engagement numbers are down. And that's absolutely fine. But you cannot legitimately say that their viewership is down by how much or if it is i mean you could you could you could guess but you don't actually know well let me tell you a little bit more about this. that's all i'm I... saying ben you don't actually know for sure you can only guess but you can look at i, I agree with you on the engagement stuff completely though and i also see other things too in, in this like i said it's it's the fact that when other content creators were going back to YouTube, abandoning the blip sinking ship. And yes, it is a sinking ship. <laughs> you I think said that a year ag- ago. What? You said that a year ago. It's still there. It was just bought by a, by a small band of content creators from YouTube. I mean, that, that, that's a, that's a bad sign that, that'd be, <laughs> that, that'd be like a single director buying MGM. It'd be like, it, it, I mean, they had to do a restructuring. They had to, they had to restructure the way they did their paywall. I mean, it's it's bad, and even you know that this is true. That that Blip went through a major restructuring in the last year, mm-hmm. and lots of content creators are moving from Blip back to YouTube because YouTube's a more reliable model. You know this is true. Actually, that's not the reason why. Uh, that's not that's not the compl- I should say that that's not the complete uh, answer. Um, part of the restructuring. Uh, did include, like I'm saying, I'm not saying this is the only thing. I'm saying this is also a major thing. The restructuring also included um, the fact that Blip had restated many times and emailed all their creators saying that they don't want people doing playthroughs 
So you got to do, you got to have a substantial original content with your, whatever you're using. They prefer to have completely original content, but because that guy with the glasses was such a moneymaker for them, they, they sort of didn't go completely that way. But then why did Doug run back to YouTube? If, if he, they were such a big moneymaker, why, why did he run back to YouTube? You know, I don't know why then. Maybe, maybe uh, it, it could have been. I mean, uh, it could have been that Blip was maybe getting a little bit more legal pressure. I'm not sure, um, but I mean, there's things you can do on YouTube that you can't do on Blip, and and a, a lot of it comes down to what Blip determined how much was fair use or not, and that's that's a lot what it was. So if somebody's going to just basically play a video game, show the video game while they play it, and and you know a let's play, they don't want that on the site. And part of it because it's like, yeah, that shit probably really shouldn't be on the site if that's all you're really doing. Now, if you're splicing in additional content and more original stuff, maybe. But, you know, a playthrough is a fucking playthrough. You're basically playing just the game. And, and the read-through is, ba- is a fucking read-through fest, so I don't get your point. Like it's, I not said, a, it's, it's not just a read-through. There's intersplicing dude. commentary and sometimes even skits. That's a lot more than... It's, I'm and, not saying. And, I'm, and what's up, Tiger Lily? Is more than just a Japanese movie. There's interspersed commentary and some skits. You talking? I I don't know what I don't know what that is. So I I can't speak <sighs> to that reference. Go watch some real movies sometime. Jesus Christ! <laughs> not everyone's you, Ben. Anyway, so let's <laughs> let's move on to. <clears throat> Um, you know, I'm going to skip that, uh, the next one so we can not have, uh, well, I guess Ben will talk for either one of these. So I'm going to talk about the, uh, some people have seen this already. Uh, some people already know about motion computing PC tablets, uh, and monoprice.com, I believe is where you can find a lot of those. These are usually like industrial grade PC tablets that, uh, some artists found out about and, uh, and they have inter- their interactive pen tablets and they, a lot of artists that I know are able to buy incredibly cheap refurbished ones and that work really well, basically for doing on the go mobile art, uh, digitally. And, uh, Apparently, motion computing is coming out with a, a, a pen interactive uh, PC tablet for four hundred dollars coming out this December. Now, uh, there was also this was uh, something that was at surfaceproartist.com that was talked about, as well as uh, linking to uh, the uh, Yanova pen interactive PC tablet for uh, nine hundred dollars. So. It's coming out in December, but the, the, the motion computing one is coming out in December. And Ben, you said you've already started hearing some stuff about this. I've heard that the color reproduction is not very good. There's some lagginess in the touch. Okay. I've, I've, I've not had my hands on it myself, but I've heard this from several people I, I know in the monitor business. And, uh, and I, I, I trust them first and foremost. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, I'm going to just say it again, is if you're looking for a good solution for portable drawing, you know, number one, this is this is a tablet monitor, not a computer. This is just just a monitor with with a with, with a Wacom uh, uh, digitizer inside of it. So we're talking about something that's basically, and that's the thing, uh, a Wacom digitizer is not exactly cheap. And putting it in a 19 inch monitor would mean that the actual panel is not going to be that great. I mean, and like I said, the the color reproduction is going to be a problem. That's what I've heard. The uh, also, another thing to worry about is heat, and I've heard that this thing doesn't have good vents on the back of it. Mm. And does this overall, sort of like have the same problems that the, the Wacom Companion 
sort of has. It's not what people wanted sort of thing. I, I think the problem is th- this is supposed to be a Cintiq, uh, Cintiq uh, competitor, and Cintiq is like $2,100, but a $400... Well, the big c- one is. Otherwise, the cheapest Cintiq is 1000 uh, for uh, about a thousand ish for the thirteen inch one. Well, the the big Cintiqs closer to the size of a nineteen inch monitor. It's bigger, but it's, it's around right. that. Right. And like I said, this is a com- competitor to the two thousand dollars Cintiq, mm-hmm. and I, you got to think about that. Four hundred dollars versus two thousand dollars. There's something's not adding up. I mean, technology True. didn't all of a sudden get that much better in a year. I mean, it's it's a lower resolution, too. It's only like 14.4. Um, and like I said, I've heard problems about color reproduction as well as other things wrong with it. The, well, like the, I said, the heat vents in the back. And and as other people I've known who use the full-size intake will tell you, it does get freaking hot. And this is, we're talking about just mm-hmm. a monitor with the with a digitizer. It doesn't have other computer bits in the back of it. So this, so bit, this is something that actually has to be connected to a different exactly. computer exactly oh, like okay. i said and and that and even with just that it still gets hot and again mm-hmm. i will i will reiterate what i've said earlier in the year that the surface pro is still one of the best full portable solutions i've ever seen and and i've met several artists and i've talked to several artists that are professionals that have used it and said this is my going around slate and i, I actually mm-hmm. Used it myself at the conference, and lots of people were very interested in it. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Surface Pro is amazing, and with the Surface Pro Two coming out, this this is the way to go as if you want a portable <laughs> Cintiq like thing. How much are those? Uh, a thousand bucks. Pro yeah, and thousand. the Pro and Pro the, Two. Uh, the Pro Two is probably going to be a little bit more, but I know the Surface Pro is dropping down in price. Mm. You can get the Surface Pro One for about eight hundred, but the Surface Pro Two is about uh, is is still close to a thousand it's a true portable though it yes, is a true it's... portable but it has a great screen it has it, yeah service pros 2 starts at 900 dollars. have you ever tried the uh the nexus 7 i have a ne- i have a nexus 7 it's not a drawing slate and you there's no way around it it were it's a capacitive screen fast it's it's touchscreen, oh, right, so right, you wouldn't right. have the pen sensitivity. Capacitive. Yeah, it's capacitive. Mm. It's not. It doesn't have a digitizer in it. That means that means a touch is a touch is a touch. Right. Yeah. It let's... doesn't know small touch to big touch. It doesn't know press down. It doesn't know these things. Uh, now companies have promised a pen, Bluetooth pens that can they've always those things out for you. But that. I've seen severe lag with those. Yeah. So not not quite not quite with the Galaxy Note three. If you pull out the pen and use the S Pen feature. On something like Sketchbook Pro Mobile, it works actually really well, from my experience. Almost like an actual Sketchbook Pro program would work on a PC. I'm talking about the standalone. Uh, obviously, Samsung used some magic sauce there, but I'm talking about more <laughs> of the standalone Bluetooth that p- Bluetooth they can get for your Apples or your Androids that say, mm-hmm. "Oh yeah, we can fi- th- this this magic pen can figure all that out for you." I've seen severe lag with those. And doesn't the isn't there a, didn't Wacom the the, the no, feel? Adobe did a pen. No, the, the Wacom I, Feel, I, the Bamboo Feel, or whatever it's called. Uh, don't yeah. they have a particular pen that's actually workable with a variety of tablets now? I s- universal tablet pen? Yeah, well, it has to be. Well, it already has to. Or maybe it's just for like existing uh, PC tablets that util or, or or tablets that utilize Wacom Bamboo Feel or, or 
touch or whatever it's called tech. I'm looking and, up the field now, and it it, it 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 does use what I was talking about. Like I said, I've seen I've seen reviews of similar ones, not the Wacom one specifically, but I have seen reviews of other ones that, and I've actually seen demos of other ones that have some lag issues mm-hmm. that cannot be solved without putting a digitizer in the screen itself. So maybe maybe the Wacom one you know, works a lot better than that. If the if the device is is already uh, using uh, some Wacom tech already, because uh, I know that Wacom all uh, you know licenses out their their hardware uh, for a right, variety of things. Right, but uh, I know for a fact that you have to if, unless it says a Wacom digitizer in it, it doesn't have it, and right. it's using some weird Bluetooth thing inside the pen, talking to the tablet to try to do on the go right. computations, and it's messy. Yeah, we actually did a whole episode about uh, uh, mobile. Uh, comp- uh, mobile uh, tablet drawing solutions. So I'll put a link to that one in the show notes as well. Um, and and there's and we hear from a variety of people that that talk about their experiences. And sometimes you know um, what they do find is is good enough, uh, especially if it's like your secondary sort of mobile something. And, and if you just want something for sketches versus actually wanting something to do complete work on. Uh, you know that's that's also the difference in in your decision of of what you're going to want. I'll, I'll be keeping an eye on this one and just you know sort of seeing what the reviews are like uh, as well. But if it's if it's really just basically a, a Cintiq uh, substitute, eh, maybe not. I mean, a pen sense uh, not necessarily how deep I can press the pen because you know you know uh, you know half is what the the Cintiq can do now is fine for like a lot of people because that's what people had with the bamboo and the bamboo or the uh the what is intuos uh is is fine for what they're doing and uh but you know the the responsiveness is 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 i would say is way more important between how many fine points of sensitivity there are mm-hmm. in my opinion anyway um, once you go Cintiq, you really can't go back you it's really just... you really can't <laughs> Like I, I picked one up from like a few years ago, and I don't even look at my bamboo tablet anymore unless I'm like on the road and have to get something right. done. I mean, I might look at a, like a Winova, a Winova or whatever the hell they're called for. Winova for, for something much bigger. Um, that weird Minnesota accent again. I don't. It's not an what accent. I didn't know how to pronounce it. <laughs> okay, it wasn't an accent. He's, you're just incompetent. Got it. How? How do you pronounce? If you've never heard of that word before, Y I Y Nova. You know, Yelonov? Yelonov. I got it. Got it. 100%. Yeah. How would you get W out of two Y's and an I? No, Ben. Maybe maybe it's maybe it's your 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 family heritage in which uh, you know words uh, might be have different. You know, if I mean, if it were something like if maybe it was like a little bit more like uh, Hispanic uh, in, in its spelling, I, I might have been able to guess a few things like that as well because I, I I took some Spanish when I was in high school and things like that. But you know, it's I wouldn't get w out of Y I Y. That was the joke. <laughs> Why you what? <sighs> How to Why meet you your lie. heroes. Comics Mix has uh, comicmix.com uh, has uh, an article that's uh, that talks about the things you should do when you meet your heroes or rather the things you really shouldn't do uh, if you meet your heroes. And they're, they're pretty, you know, it's 
it's a pretty simple stuff. Think before you speak. And it's, you know, don't use it as sort of like a, a, a pitching ability or to sell yourself sort of thing. You remember, you're, you, I mean, uh, for the most part, you don't want to be an asshole. You have to understand that these people get confronted by many people all the time. Um, but Ben, uh, Ben, you've actually met quite a few of your heroes, it sounds like. So you also wanted to comment on this as well. Well, yes, I have actually. I've actually met and interviewed several of my heroes. Uh, I've met and not interviewed yet uh, quite a few of them. Uh, it's, uh, Kevin Conroy has agreed to be on um, on AA when when the time permits. Time has not permitted yet, but he has agreed. I've talked to him in person. Great guy. Um, I've also uh, let's see here. Uh, I've talked to and interviewed Marv Wolfman, legendary comic book writer. Um, Great interview, great guy, great history in both cartoons and animation, really humble, really nice guy, really strong opinions on what happened back then. He <laughs> And uh, let's see, I've, I've talked with, uh, with animation writer Flint Dilly. He wrote Transformers the movie, really great guy as well. Um, the important thing you got to remember is these guys, th- these guys, most of them like to talk about their experiences but they don't like the same questions Mm -hmm. you know what i mean they they like to have the questions you know someone ask a really weird question about them like uh like (laughs) because a good example this is uh is actor uh, actor comedian tom wilson everyone know who knows who he is no nope he played biff in back to the future oh yeah that guy yes Ah. I have seen a couple of his stand-ups. And one of his famous stand-ups oh. is the question song. Where because oh. he was tired of people asking him the same questions over and over again, so he opens and ends he opens or ends, he chooses each time his stand-up routines with the question song, where he sings about all the questions that anyone has ever asked him in weird situations. Like he he'd be seeing his doctor, and his doctor would ask him, Was that real manure? And it's a movie. And, yeah. And, and another guy, and, and, and uh, he's at his, he's at his nephew's uh, bar mitzvah and the rabbi comes up and says, is, uh, is Michael J. Fox a nice guy in person? And it's stuff like that. And, uh, and, and he, like I said, he has a whole song about this. Mm-hmm. So that's the thing to keep in mind is if you're talking to someone or interviewing them, don't ask the usual questions. Ask something. Ask something that is more a I personally wondered kind of thing. Like, uh, like a good good for instance is uh, Marv Wolfman wrote uh, a couple episodes of the GI Joe cartoon, and uh, that's interesting to me because he is actually best friends with uh, Larry Hama, who wrote a lot of the GI Joe comic books. So I asked him if him and Larry ever talked GI Joe. You know, him doing the comic book and him doing the, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and him doing the uh, the cartoon and and he said oh, he's in and, and marv you know never got that question before so he, he he approached it a little differently because he never like i said he never had that question before so that's something that's something you have to look at when you talk to your heroes is most of their qu- answers they give all out there on the internet you can get your answers yeah, very easily look up old interviews yeah find you know do a personal i always wondered question and you might you might Trip them up and break them out of that mold of I'm stuck in 
in standard, you know, question song mode like Tom Wilson is. <laughs> there was like, also a thing I saw about that, about um, Max Gilardi, the guy that made like the Pony.Mov series uh, on yeah. YouTube. And um, <laughs> he was giving an interview. You know, somebody was interviewing him and asking him the same questions he'd done like a million times now. And he was just ridiculing the, the interviewer, like asking him like personal questions. And it ended up flipping it on its head where Max was giving the interview to the other guy. Yes. <laughs> and like I said, that's what you, that's what you have to do. You have to, you have to tear him out of it because if I ever talked to Tom Wilson, first thing I'd ask him was what was it like working with, uh, with uh, Bruce Tim on that episode of Batman, the animated series, because no one remembers he did that. Or I'd ask him, what was it like working with Mark Hamill? Cause no one would remember that. <laughs> and, and it's, it's questions like that where you, 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 where you ask something that's not the usual cookie cutter. What was it like being Biff Tannen? You know, was, <laughs> <laughs> was it real manure? <laughs> <laughs> he gets that one a lot. <laughs> so, um, uh, so as far as like, uh, like say at a, uh, so a lot of these, I know that you, you've actually, you know, you, you've just gone out and emailed somebody or things like that. But what about like in person at a convention setting uh, where there's like a lot of people around sort of thing? And uh, what would you, what would you have, Ben, what would your advice be for, for something like that? And we're not talking about, uh, yeah, you could probably talk about like meeting at the table, but what about also just like just walking through and hey, he's right there. Well, let me give you, let me give you an example. Is I've met uh, shoot Amanda Connor at the last uh, Dallas Web Comics convention, Dallas Comic Book Convention, Dallas Comic Con. I met Amanda Connor, fantastic artist, fantastic woman, and uh, what really surprised me was her line was so short. I didn't say that to her, but that surprised me. And I got a chance to talk to her. I bought a book from her. She autographed it. And I, uh, what I said was what I felt. I said, uh, you know, it's really great to meet you. I love how you put so, so such great expression in your, in your artwork. You know, all your characters have these great, fantastic, funny expressions. And we had a conversation about, it. well, she, she says, you know, I always feel if I don't put great expressions on my characters that they aren't alive yet. And, and we talked about that for about two to three minutes. I, I always find that when you're talking to someone at a table, make it two to three minutes at most. You, at most, I say, if it only if, if you feel a natural stopping point after thirty seconds, let it go. Just just mm-hmm. go right then and there. You don't try to stretch it to two to three minutes. But if you two to three minutes, you can feel it sort of winding down. That's when you say thank you. You know, take your book and and go to the next line because <laughs> uh, you got to remember these guys have had hardcore stalkers. I mean, there's an episode of Stalked about a famous comic book artist who had a stalker for ten years. So this is something that has happened in the past. Just don't and be that guy. Don't be exactly. that guy. Or, or don't girl, you know, too much. Don't don't try to touch them and and stuff like that. You know, be respectable. Keep, keep you know, and just just say what you want to say within taste. For God's <laughs> sake, buy something from them so you're not just the guy who's talking to them just right. to talk. To them. And, right, right, and, and that's as something... soon as you feel the conversation dying, move away. Right, and that's something that. Uh, that's something that I wanted to 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 bring up is uh, especially if I mean if you're in line to do uh, to meet somebody at like an official s- signing of something, 
you really, if you don't already have what they're selling at the table, you better have brought it to have them sign it. Um, or sometimes, you know, depending on who it is, sometimes there's like a, a charge for a photograph or something like that. Please respect uh, the photograph and picture opportunity charges and keep that in mind. Bring cash. Um, it depends on where you go. A lot of times they'll say that ahead of time. But otherwise, I mean, if if especially you want to strike up a conversation, this goes for anybody, even an artist alley, uh, you, know, you know, being the webcomic beacon, there's cartoonists out there with with tables and such. If you are really going to engage with something, the the best thing you can do is is really buy something, especially if their table is sort of flooded with people. You're not really going to get a chance to do any long conversation. And don't just be a barnacle, uh, a booth barnacle that just kind of stands around just to sort of hang out with the person and and sort of stand in front of the way. That's that's really disrespectful and it kind of puts the, the 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 creator into a very awkward position. Yeah, you're it's nice you wanted to talk, it's nice you came out you really got to step aside so that i can talk with other people because otherwise other people are going to be you know kind of wary to to approach you as well because they don't want to interrupt you know sort of thing a like a great that. example of this is there's a great documentary uh still on netflix called i think we're alone now <laughs> you've seen okay. it fest. I've, no I've, i'm thinking of i'm thinking of the song uh, it is about the song oh it is yeah, what it is is about this 53-year-old uh, autistic man named Jeff, severe Asperger's, who has stalked and is obsessed with the 80s pop singer Tiffany for over 20 years. Jesus Christ. That's adorable. It is one of the best documentaries I've ever seen because you sort of pity him, but at the same time it shows how weird he is because he believes in like uh, the government sending waves and you know i'm wondering where this guy's social worker is (laughs) and that's and no that's not really a mean thing to say i mean you said he's autistic and things like that well he actually he does get a check from the government every month and uh watch the documentary it's on netflix i think we're alone now it's about the guy's name is Jeff Turner. He recently started putting YouTube videos up because apparently he was arrested for stalking Elisa Milano as well. Jesus Christ. Well, I he actually he actually walked into her backyard Jesus. and wanted to propose marriage to her because Again, where is this guy's social worker? He should be being checked in with. <laughs> I go in the backyard when you can just knock on the door, man. Come well, he, he said he said there were, you know there was no fence, and he says, "Why should be she be afraid of me? Because I know she has this black belt in da 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 from your da 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 da." It's like you're what? not helping your case. <laughs> he I wrote he, he it puts down. these videos online where he explains why he's not a stalker by knowing all this information about his stalky. That sounds terrible. Uh, well, anyway, um, jump, j- jumping back, um, it okay. should just be you have to think that the people at the booths are they're actual people. They're there to make a, a living. They're there to make money. They love meeting their fans. Yes. But uh, just be decent about it. Be quick. Buy something. There you go. Yeah. And and I've met you know several people, multiple people at, at cons. Uh, uh, I, re- I met Randy Milholland when he was over in Minneapolis once. I, I forget which exact convention it was, but uh, I was introducing myself and, and he invited me to step aside, you know, kind of sort of like on the side of his table or behind him so that he can continue to do stuff. Cause I still wanted, I, I was talking to him about a panel that we we're going to be on. So it was like a little bit more like business at that point. Um, and there's a, a few others, you know, I've tried to be very 
uh, respectful. I kind of say where I am and where I'm from. If I have a particular intention, like if to interview them or if we're going to be on panels, things or like marriage. that. So I, I guess, yeah, <laughs> I, more so whenever I approach somebody, a lot of times it's for, um, I guess it's sort of like business, uh, talk or, or, or things like that. Um, is when it when it comes to screen over over somebody, I I, I guess I'm a little bit more timid about it, and and I tend to uh, uh, run away uh, fairly quickly if I, you know, if I I don't know what to say. Anyway, it's been great meeting you. I'll see you around or whatever. Blah blah blah, things like that. But you know, I, you know, because I have a podcast, I have a little bit more of an in to to get started. And you know, if especially if I was like maybe you know if you're interested, I could interview you sometime. Hey, cool. oh, fest our five minutes ran up five minutes ago uh that's fine and, and just uh, just uh uh one more minute here <laughs> shit <laughs> i forgot <laughs> what so i was gonna that's say. the show folks <laughs> oh no i was i was gonna say it's like as far as uh, when people have uh, people have uh, approached me uh at cons uh both at my table and uh before and after panels that i've been on and I, I can tell you, I, I don't mind a little bit of chit chat at the table, um, but you know, definitely recognize when there is nothing more to say, and or when there's other people that are sort of waiting to speak with me or to other people. You know, recognize that uh, before you know before a panel, not so much. Um, after a panel, absolutely, I love talking to people after the panel. I always want to because they're informative sort of panels. I always want to make sure everybody you know knows everything, and I do usually give up my email address. Say if there's anything else here, or if you want my full notes, I can email you my notes. I absolutely love talking uh, afterwards. But then again, that that's that that's me, and and you gotta you know a lot of it is really recognizing. Hey, when is this awkward? when is my time to leave just understand that especially if somebody says they have to go uh or something like that i mean it's it's, it's been it's far better to find the natural breaking conversation absolutely. nod and go to the next place because because if you get to the point where someone someone other than you says i have to go you you done screwed up but there are those people that don't like for whatever reason don't have those like social cues that will just stick around yeah, they, the they, have they have documentaries about them. <laughs> yeah, another one. Another one is uh, well, it's been nice meeting you. That's also the end of the conversation. <laughs> it really is. Um, uh, maybe like if there's like, oh yeah, one more thing. Here's my card. Maybe you can do that like as a, as a very final thing. Uh, but uh, really, I, I, I've been sort of been dragged on much longer than well. It's been nice meeting you. Uh, than I would uh, care to have been, but uh, so that's pretty much that. And I think this was a, a, a rather decent episode of the Webcomic Beacon newscast. Coming back once again, we'll see about doing these in the future. Again, keep an eye on the on the on Twitter uh, for if I look for another guest. Uh, once again, uh, Chris from uh, PlayingWithProps.com. Thank you for being available and coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. It's been great. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, no, yeah, thanks. Thanks very much. And, uh, Ben from animationaficionados.com. And what's the other one? Comic Connoisseurs it is still being, it's still being, uh, built. I have the URL. I haven't built the site yet. I want to have at least five episodes in the bag before I, uh, before I launch the site. Good plan. All right. So anyway, animationaficionados.com at the very least. Ben, thank you very much for coming back. 
Thank you. And uh, everyone, we'll see you next time.